welcome to Life is for the Living. I'm your host, Rebecca Richman. In our last episode, we learned why our guests left their homelands. And in this episode, we're going to focus on their experience of immigration. Most of our guests immigrated as children, and their stories can be fragmented and without full context. Because of this, we're going to focus on three of the experiences. Claudia's Ellis Island entry, Crusada's undocumented crossing of the Rio Grande from Mexico, and Makram and Hanna's extended battle with the U.S. immigration bureaucracy. Claudia's story of immigration is the classic story of European immigration to the New World. So it was boarding a ship in Trieste with my mom and my younger brother, who was three at the time. I took ill on the ship. Then I got better. And then my brother took ill. So most of our voyage across was my poor mom. We spent it in the medical area of of the ship. We really didn't do very much. Um, we actually um, arrived at um, Ellis Island. Yes, we did, and uh, and all I, I I do I have some visions of of that, but I don't know how accurate it is. But what I do remember um, about Ellis Island or arrival in New York, it was late at night. And uh, my poor mom, you know, didn't know the language, hadn't been out of her hometown, you know. And uh, we had to board a train to Toronto. And I remember um, a black porter, and it was the first time I'd ever seen a black person, uh, had piled our our luggage onto the cart and was trying to talk to my mom and wasn't getting anywhere. And so he he took my three-year-old brother, put it on top of the luggage and started running. <laughs> well, my mom, of course, grabbed me by the hand and we just run after him, ran after him. And what he was trying to tell us actually was that um, he, that we, we were going to miss our, pl- our train and he was trying to get us to the, to the train in time. And, and, uh, so that was my 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 biggest memory of, of arriving in Canada, and um, and then of course you know seeing my dad again and my favorite aunt and and whatever. On the other hand, Crusader's journey matches a much more modern story of immigration from Latin America. I immigrated in the United States in 1987. I was, I believe, I was ten. I was going to turn eleven years old. And it was not my choice. My mom brought me here. We obviously, you know, we immigrate. We didn't, we didn't enter the big door. We immigrant. We, um, we came as an immigrant. No, you know, which happens to a lot of immigrants. They cross the border. And um, my mom lied to me. She said that we were going to walk and it was going to be like a, a, like a festival. And we were just going to walk and walk and walk. Until we get to the United States, with the United States was beautiful. And she told me a lot of good stuff about the United States, but I still didn't want to come. You know, but like I said, it was her choice, but she did the right choice for us. It's a long story behind. My mom was um, not married, but was, you know, my dad was a gorilla. 
and my dad uh, got killed on war. And back home, if you were family of a gorilla, you you cannot you didn't have a life over there. Anyone suspected of having pro-guerrilla leanings, including the families of fallen soldiers, were at risk of being disappeared by government forces and paramilitary death squads. Crusada's mom first tried to hide her family in El Salvador, but eventually she ended up leaving her children with family and going to the States alone. So practically she fled. She had a flee. She, she first flee by herself for two years. She came to the United States for two years, worked her way out, so get the money so she goes back to our country and get her kids. We, we, we crossed the river and um, we got caught and they took us to jail. And uh, when they brought us to Los Angeles, my aunt, because there it was very, very, it was, it was at night. It was the September. So, which is, you know, a little cold. And, you know, my, 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 uh, my aunt used to live in uh, Benning, Benning, California. So I remember my aunt saying, you, you kids can go to sleep because we have a long drive. But no, I wanted to be awake because I wanted to see the, the big buildings. And it was amazing for me, like the big buildings and the lighting and everything was so nice. And then the next morning we, we got to the house. We went to sleep because it was late. And the next morning we went to McDonald's. And for us, it was like McDonald's. Oh, my God. You know, I'm very excited. It was the first time we even experienced to eat McDonald's back back home. You, uh, only rich people goes to McDonald's. And, you know, that was my first meal in the United States. And I still love it. But eventually she ended up having to leave her children with family and going to the States alone until she was able to bring her children with her. And lastly, we have Makraman Hana, who fled the Gulf War in Iraq, first to Jordan and then to the U.S. Theirs is a story that shows that in times of war, education, connections and friends can be immensely helpful. But it still may not be enough if not paired with sheer nerve and a willingness to fudge the truth a bit. Later in this season, we will have an entire episode dedicated to Makraman Hana's life before immigrating. But for now, here's a few things you need to know before listening to their tale of bureaucratic negotiations. Makram, our producer Marco, who you will hear in the background, and I all work for the same software company, Esri. Esri's software allows users to manage large amounts of spatially located data, usually referred to as Geographic Information Systems, or GIS. Prior to the immigration, Makram had become friends with Esri's CEO, Jack Dangerman, and the head of human resources, Chuck Becker, through professional conferences, and Jack had previously offered Makram a job. Additionally, Makram and Hana had previously lived in the United States and Wisconsin while Makram was getting his master's degree. And with that out of the way, let's let Makram get started. Of course, it was the cartoon was, was my key to the United States. When we went uh, in 1991 to Jordan in August, there were 500,000 Iraqis there. Everyone wants to go somewhere. And the American embassy there does not uh, give visas 
just like that. So when I arrived, I wrote a one-page letter, 150 of them. I sent it to all my friends, and, and, um, and I said, um, I have left Iraq with no intention of uh, returning. My family is with me. I don't want money. I have these nine things that I could do. Please find me a job somewhere, uh, an immigration somewhere, a visa somewhere. And I sent it all over the world. And the Jesuits connected me to the, uh, their university in Manila, Philippines. And they were interested in hiring me. And they were going to give me $400 a month. And I wrote them, I said, I have six in the family. Like, is that enough? So don't worry, it's enough. You'll have a chauffeur, a maid, and, and, uh, and all your kids will go to private schools and uh, you, will, you will be accommodated at the uh, housing that we have. So, and you will save money. And how can you give, give me, get me visa uh, to come to, uh, to the Philippines? I have an Iraqi passport, which is damned in every single country in the world, even in Zimbabwe. They said, no, don't worry. We have a lot of graduates from, from the university who are in high position. We, we can reach them. I said, okay. Then Chuck Becker called. He was the head of personnel of ESRI. Uh, he said, I'm going to help you come over to the United States and work for me. But I have to ask you two questions. Very important questions. I said, okay, go ahead. So we bring you over here after a year or so, you find it not to your liking. Are we still friends? I said, yes. Okay, next, second most important question. And then we decide that you bring your family over here. And after a year or so, you find it not to your liking or vice versa. Are we still friends? I said, yes. Okay, where do you want to work for me? I said, well, I have lots of things I could work. I could do graphics. I could do cartooning. I could do um, teaching. I could do anything you want. So, okay, we'll find out what, what we, but we'll have to send you this job in, uh, for a job interview. And I said, no, you cannot do that because the American embassy will not do that, will not give, give us visa. So he said, so what, what, do you, what do you want us to do? I said, well, remember I presented a paper in, in San Francisco? He said, yes. He said, well, you have a, an international conference. You can invite me for the international conference to present the same paper in, this is the title. Yeah, that's easy. So I went to the American embassy. I have to go like at four in the morning, stand in line so that the first 50 will go in. Went to the interview, they called me. So what do you have? So I said, okay, this is an invitation to come for the user conference and present a paper. Why you? An American embassy. So he took the paper and he wrote it, like read it for four times, five times. Said American embassy wants, American uh, company wants to have you come to a conference. I said, yes, they are the pioneers in, in GIS and I'm the only expert in the Middle East and they own my opinion. Where do you work at? I work at the Institute of Technology. Yeah, but I don't see any affiliation. I said, the invitation did not come 
because I'm affiliated with an institute of technology. It came for me as an expert. What are you doing here? Sabbatical doing what? I said, I'm writing a book. Why don't you write it uh, over there? I said, well, for some reason, in August 2nd, 1990, when Iraq went into Kuwait, they stopped uh, sending me mail. Somebody decided that I should not receive any more mail. So if I'm writing a book at home, by the time I finish it, it's obsolete because I don't have any up-to-date information. These guys have telexes. They have, if I need a book, they can ship it to me in one week. And um, that's why I'm here. So I said, why don't you do your homework and I do mine? And then after 32 days, they called me in and there I'm supposed to bring them a piece of paper. I didn't have it. My friend said, you're a cartoonist. I mean, you're, you can forge anything. I said, no, 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 I'm not forging anything. So I drew a cartoon. The cartoon shows uh, a guy looking in a wind, through a window with a line that's, you cannot see the end of it. And that's the guy from the visa section. And it says it up at the top, the, um, one of them days in the visa section in the uh, American embassy in Amman. So I took it with me. I made a copy, took it with me. And the guy called me, I, and then um, I went there. There's a telex about this long. Uh, I didn't dare to read because I can read backwards. And he, uh, he said, uh, everything is okay. You got the visa. I, you just sit for 10 minutes and I'll give you your visa. So, okay, I have something also for you. What, what, what do you have for me? So I slipped the, the cartoon and he looked at it. Oh my God. Where did you get this from? I said, this is my experience from last time I was, I was standing in line. It's for you. I don't need it back. It's just like enjoying the rest of the, with your, the rest of the staff. And that was the turning point of me coming to the United States. I got my stamp and I came here. Despite being invited to work for Esri by the CEO, Makram wasn't sure that things were settled even then. Well, I never knew that I was going to stay, but my wife did. Uh, because I always was suspicious that I might be fired. And because when we came, we came, the American embassy gave me not a working visa. They gave me a visitor visa. They, because I was coming to the conference, they should have given me a, a visiting scientist visa. So they, uh, Esri had to work on getting me visa uh, changed to a visiting scientist and because that's how the lawyer was advising, and she would always use twice the waiting time. So instead of three months, she gave six months. That's why I, it took six more months before they changed it to, to a, a H-1B visa, which is a working visa. And then uh, later on, they helped, uh, S3 helped in getting me my uh, uh, green uh, card. But coming from, from Iraq and, you know, uh, people were very nice at the, at the uh, at work. They were very nice. Even those who come to my training, well, they were very nice. And they would always, always ask me, uh, where are you from? You have an accent. And I would also say, always say, uh, I'm, in a, I'm from Iraq. Is that okay? <laughs> and they feel bad that they ask this question. And I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> 
Yeah. What about you, Hannah? What was it like for you to come with four kids? And... Well, anything is better than to live there. I I went to like that's it. There is maybe because in Wisconsin we had such a good time, such a lovely people. We loved it because of that. It made made it like easier. Like I didn't think we're gonna have any problem. So when we came here, I didn't, and we met some people from back home, like from Jordan, from Lebanon. So we meet with these people, and but the people in the company, all these like American, we had such a great time. Like we used to have potluck party, we used to go to party together, we used to. So it was very nice. We didn't have any problem. Okay. Even the kids, Redlands is beautiful. Like we didn't in beginning. I didn't know when he told me Redlands. I said, "Where is that?" Like we didn't know anything. But it's such a nice place, such a quiet. The whole, we started from kindergarten to high school to colleges. We didn't have any problem, any problem. Just one time, my older son in high school, the kids, they were making fun like you, Saddam or something. So he told them, I am here because I didn't want to be with Saddam. But we were lucky. Like when we went to Jordan, he has a friend who offered us apartment. He didn't ask for money and he never asked after that. Even when, after that, when Makram asked them, like, uh, what's, uh, so we can pay how it, much how, how much so do, and he said nothing because the uh, apartment, it used to be empty and he furnished it uh, for us and we stayed like a year and a half in Jordan. You know, f- first 10 months with Mokram, and then after that, when he came, I was there with the kids, and he used to come with his wife and ask us if we need anything, if you need money. I used to work, like, part-time, but uh, but he, like, always there is people, like, with us. Without that, because after that, there are some people who went, first went to Sweden, or they had to go through a lot, a lot. I have a cousin who's his son, used to tell them, you left us. He didn't leave them. That's it. He didn't have another choice. Like he's, and then when they get together, he, for a while, he didn't want his dad because he thought, because they stayed like two or three years away. So he used to say, like, you left us. You are not. So the teacher and, you know, there they start talking to him, like, see, now you are together, everybody, he worked for you, he did this for, so you can have better life. For us, we were like, maybe little lucky, right? He left for like, we were separated for eight months, but still we are surrounded by family. My family used to come like every time we, my mom came two times, my sister, my brother. So every to time to Jordan, because it was easy, like going back and forth. You don't need that visa or something. So we were okay. I was, we didn't complain. And that's it for this episode of Life is for the Living. Join us next time when we turn to the topic of being an immigrant in a new place the struggles of fitting in when you don't speak the language, and why you cannot go home. 
If you have any suggestions about future guests, topics, or just want to chat in general, you can reach us at, at lifeisforthel on Twitter and Instagram, or email us at lifeisforthelivingpodcast at gmail.com. The Life is for the Living podcast is written by me, Rebecca Richman, and produced by Marco Berlo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>